Hey everyone, welcome to Let's Get Real with Sandra and Friends, a workplace consortium podcast brought to you by Relogix. I'm excited to be sharing conversational musings about current events and how we envision the ever-changing world of work. I'm Sandra Panera, Director of Workplace Insights at Relogix. With 25 years of hands-on experience, I help value engineer global workplace portfolios and employee experiences by aligning workplace analytics with corporate real estate needs. Have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future podcasts? Please drop me a line at podcast at relogics.com. With me today, I have a special guest, Vic Bangia. Vic, welcome. Before we dive in, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, my name is Vic Bangia, and I'm the CEO of Verum Consulting. We're a corporate real estate strategy and operations consulting company. I spend most of my time helping corporate clients outsource their real estate services to some of the larger service providers like CBRE and JLL, Cushman and Wakefield, especially with those clients who have integrated facilities management needs along with their other real estate services needs. Um, but I'm also in the strategy and operations world, a workplace consultant and a business strategist. So I help companies of all kinds do various different things, um, you know, everything from training and development to workplace strategy um, to public speaking. It's a pretty wide ranging set of services that I do as part of my consulting practice. That's amazing. So thinking about how you would approach the development of workplace strategy prior to COVID, do you think that the approach to developing a workplace strategy will be different going forward? You know, well, I haven't really changed my approach to developing workplace strategies pre or post COVID. My mantra has always been that any kind of change or any kind of workplace strategy needs to be a democratic process and it needs to be bottom up. Uh, so you need to get all the people involved in the decision and really take stock of what their opinions and perspectives are. Bring them along in the process, even if you don't end up doing exactly what they say, giving them a voice in the decision is great. You know, the top-down sort of push-down approach to workplace strategy, I don't think works. We've done this, you know, in a few different places before. I used to call it the build it and they will come field of dreams type of uh, approach where, you know, you say, well, you know what, we're going to want, we want people to collaborate and we'd be more open, more productive. And we're, so we're going to do this and then they will be, you know, if we give them open space, they'll collaborate. If we get rid of their cubicles, they'll collaborate. If we get rid of private offices, oh my gosh, privacy is what's driving the problem. You know, uh, you know, privacy is the enemy of collaboration. Let's, let's just make people force people to get together and they will naturally collaborate. I, I've never subscribed to, to that. I've always said that, you know, it's got to be, you know, very organic and really a, uh, a bottom-up approach. And so my approach hasn't really changed. It's just been more, I think, on the listening end these days with the, um, you know, with the folks that are telling me more about what they need, not just in the workplace, but how they need to balance their lives and their workplace. Just to continue on that point, one of the things that I'm very passionate about and the way I've always approached workplace strategy was when you look at corporate organizations and you look at what they indicate they value. So, you know, you turn to their annual reports or their CSR reports or, you know, sustainability reports where they identify some of their goals and, and, and their mission. And, you know, you usually see things like, you know, diversity and inclusion and wellness and sustainability, and they have very, very specific goals. And so I look at that uh, and I still do today. And, you know, and then there's a slew of other things around, you know, how does the workplace strategy 
uh, or the approach that you're going to take to the future of work align to the goals that you actually have as an organization. So corporate real estate aside is the decisions that you're making about how you're going to approach or how you're going to integrate workplace as part of who you are as a company sends a very strong message to the outside world. So there's an optics element to the decisions that you make. And we've seen some of that backlash by some of the decisions that have been publicly stated, you know, with Apple and Google and kind of some of the things that are going on in in that world. But then when you think about, you know, what they say or have said traditionally that they care about, and then you see stuff like that on the in the forefront, it kind of makes you wonder, what do they really care about? Because we've heard time and time again that sometimes some of these mission statements and value statements are more marketing driven, right? To say, hey, we care about this. But, you know, now companies have a real opportunity to demonstrate what they truly care about. And yet there seems to be this craziness and, and misalignment around around the two. So just curious in terms of your experience when you've been talking to organizations, how often does that come up in terms of the desire to align the decision making around the future of work to actual corporate strategy? So obviously you and I have seen some of the same press from some organizations where it is a very top down sort of command and control driven statement, uh, you'll be in the office or else. Uh, and I don't think that's a very healthy way of approaching, you know, the discussion. The clients that I work with have all taken the pulse uh, of their employees. Uh, it still ties to the, the value-driven piece of this because they'll say, we want to make this a, a new initiative that you're a part of, but we want it to fulfill our, our company's goals. So it's a matter of marrying the two. But it's also, you know, you have to take into account the company's cultural capacity for change because an enormous amount of change is, is difficult for any company to withstand. So this has to be done in a way that allows for, you know, something I call successive approximation, which is, you, you try something, you see how it goes, you take surveys and you learn from it, and then you do it again and you're, you know, over time getting closer and closer to the, the actual place that you want to be, but you don't leave your people behind. And I think those statements that I've seen from some leaders in the, in the, you know, especially in the financial services and, and investment world, uh, it just seem to be ripe for backlash. There's a, there's a lot of sentiment that's, People are incredulous about what they're seeing. You know, how can somebody actually say that, some of that stuff? So I think that's really important. Listening to people and having really active engagement will inform, you know, what kind of direction you want to go. And that's what I always do with my clients, too, is I don't come in as a consultant and advisor. I don't come in and say, here's what I think you should do. I take a really good snapshot of the company's corporate culture and then within the culture and their set of values, ask a lot of probing questions uh, of their employees as to what they want the future to look like. They know the answer. They they really want to tell somebody. And as long as I can create that open channel so they can speak those requirements or requests or, uh, you know, wish list to their leadership, there's a better chance that some of that will actually take place. Personally, if I, if I was approached by a new client where they wanted to do some sort of forced down, you know, uh, kind of approach, I'd probably, I would probably not take the assignment just because it's just not my style to, to think that way. 
It's interesting. Somebody told me when that whole thing was sort of playing itself out, just kind of watching, you know, the, the responses and, you know, the employees and, you know, I'll go on Reddit and just kind of read from the employee's mouth kind of what they're feeling. And obviously there's a huge disconnect between what some of these companies are saying and then what the employees are actually saying. But somebody made a comment to me about, you know, what if the companies were to all band together and basically push this agenda that people will come back to work where, you know, people don't have a choice. Like there was this whole conversation of, you know, the great resignation. So that was kind of a coined term for this year that if companies weren't giving people the flexibility to choose, then people would just quit and go work elsewhere and work for companies that, that did provide that flexibility. And so this individual made a comment and said, well, what if all these big enterprise companies just came together and said, this is how we're going to approach the future of work and this is it. So be it. Yep. Yeah. It's kind (laughs) of like, you know, and I was like, well, I don't really see that happening, but you know, uh, it it would be certainly be interesting. And it kind of makes you wonder, like, you know, has there been sort of a, a shift in, in control? Like, when you think about that, it's like, okay, yes, people, people have to work. I mean, obviously a lot of, you know, um, some people have the ability to work, you know, because it's a passion that they have or they, you know, the jobs that they chose that they have the ability to really enjoy what they do. Other people work because they need to pay their bills, right? And so you need to have a job. You don't necessarily have that flexibility where you can just quit your job tomorrow and, and, and go somewhere else. And so it just kind of begs the question as to where does that balance of power actually reside is it still with the employer or is it is it with the employees that are pushing back because we've all been in the same boat so to speak we've all experienced it some people have had a better experience than others no one's saying that they don't want to go back to the office obviously we're just everybody's just asking for the ability to have the flexibility to make those choices Uh, but yet you've got companies that are still kind of on the fence about whether they want to pull the trigger and what's that going to mean for them longer term. And maybe even more importantly, what does it mean for the real estate industry as a whole, like the landlords and the, and the owners of the buildings? Because that's also something that's at the foundation of a lot of this as well around, yes, right now people are hanging on to their spaces because they've got lease commitments that can't, they can't necessarily get out of. It'll be really interesting in three to five years from now when those leases come due, is there going to be this big uprooting of offices as companies realize that, you know what, we don't need as much space as we once did, and the offices will just eventually empty out. Yeah, and and you touched on a a number of subjects there, all of which are are very intriguing and very interesting. First, the, the balance of power shifting to the employee has actually started a few years ago when we started to see millennials enter the, the workforce and, and we started to see generational shifts taking place. Um, you know, I used to talk about how at my age and I'm 56 years old, but if I go in to talk to an employer, if let's say I'm looking for a job, I'll bring my resume with me and I'll set it down with in, in front of the HR person. I'll say, you know, here's my background. Here's my skill set. Here's what I've done in my career. This is why you should hire me. Well, the younger workers were coming in and saying, here's my background, here's my skill set, here's all the things that I've done in my career so far, why should I work here? And that shift was was a shift in, in the way that younger workers were, were approaching the, the job market. They were already coming to the job market and asking the employer why 
why the employee should work for them. So that shift had already been taking place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the balance of power has shifted even more so to the employee now because there's choice. And a lot of companies are, are actually looking at what some of the other companies that we talked about earlier are doing. And when there is a heavy command and control situation, the competitor to that company ought to put themselves in in a favorable position by saying, well, you know what? You don't like your employer. Come work for us. We'll give you that flexibility you want. So I think there'll be a competition like that that favors the employee, not favors the employer. Remember, you talked about what if they banded together. I think it's going to be the other way around. I think the companies that are going to offer choice and flexibility and have a really good beat on what's important to the employee are going to actually win out. The companies that are trying to force the old way and the old structure and the old approach to that employer-employee relationship, I think, are going to lose out. But, you know, I've always told people in my consulting practice that there's time. You know, today, you don't have to make any knee-jerk reactions as to what you're going to do with your portfolio. Workplace decisions are, are something you ought to think about. They're in the mix, but, you know, those kind of need to roll out slowly because, to my earlier comment about successive approximation, you're going to continue to fit your future into what your office space needs to look like. If you start to slough off space, you may overdo it, and it may not be the right decision for you. It might actually be too much change. It might disrupt your cultural balance. Uh, there might be other issues. I, I always like to put everything in you know, like the game of Jenga, right? I like to do systems thinking where every one move ought to be planned out with an eye towards what that move might do to another move or what what uh, impact one decision might be on another. And as long as you can think that way, you'll hold back on making any decisions that I think will actually, um, you know, come back to haunt you. Uh, and I just tell people, you look, you have time. This, As you mentioned, if there's a lease that's three to five years out, great. Talk about that particular location being, you know, maybe one of those that you'll reassess in a few years after you've gone through your reverberations. Um, I think there's a few companies that have already announced, you know, they're going to scale down. And I think that's a little too premature. I think it's it's we don't know enough today. So they're making those decisions either on you know, trying to stop financial outlay or the cash outlay, maybe stop the bleeding, maybe their businesses, you know, heightened that or their shareholders are putting pressure on them or they just said, hey, we're good remote workers. Let's just get rid of three quarters of our office. We don't need it. Well, that's fine for now, but I think they'll come back and say, you know what, we could have, we, we overdid it. And I think they'll regret the decision. So again, I think we have to say to everybody, there's time. Workplace decisions shouldn't be made in a hurry. And, uh, you know, they should certainly understand that their, the balance of power is shifting to the employee. Well, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate your time and your insights. And thank you again for your time today. Any final, final thoughts? Well, I, I think we're on a journey together. So um, all I would say is that anybody listening to this podcast, I would really love it if they would link in with me, um, you know, find me on LinkedIn or on Twitter or, you know, visit my website. The, the LinkedIn aspect of it is is, is good because I publish a lot of content and I do bring that whole community of people, you know, workplace uh, professionals, and we all have a lot of lively debates on, on what we think, you know, is going to happen in the future and what we'd like to see happen in the future. So I'd love for others to join into that conversation. But, uh, Sandra, I really appreciate this opportunity to talk with you, and, and, and uh, I've had a great time. You're very welcome. Thanks again, Vic.